0: Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 183. Today's episode is about something that is so, so, so important. It's a concept that has changed my life and that I wish I had put into practice so much earlier than I did. That concept is what I call imperfectionism. In other words, it's the willingness to do things imperfectly. Because of perfectionism, I've spent a lot of my life holding back. Not putting things out into the world, not sharing my work, not showing up. But here's the thing the only way to get better at something, in other words, the only way to get closer to quote unquote perfect, is to do the thing imperfectly, to do it badly even, but to do it over and over again until little by little we get better. When I tell you that being willing to be imperfect changed my life, I'm not exaggerating. Since mostly dropping the perfectionism a few years ago, it still flares up from time to time, but I have mostly put it behind me. And since I've done that, I have learned watercolor, started a stationary line based on my art, started teaching watercolor, started this podcast, run a retail shop with very little prior retail experience, started a membership program for small business owners that's making good happen. I've been invited to speak on marketing and small business topics at events and more. I know this without a doubt. We make the most progress when we not only resist perfectionism, but when we actively embrace imperfectionism. Imperfectionism may not actually be a word in the dictionary, but it's a super, super important, life-changing concept. And if I've learned anything in the last few years about life, and especially about business, it's this. Living a creative, meaningful, productive life and running a creative, meaningful, and successful business come from leaving perfectionism behind. It comes from being willing to do things, even when we can plainly see that they are imperfect. And this is important being willing to actually put them out into the world for others to see and react to. This is where the magic starts to happen in our businesses. This looks like publishing your website, even when it's not quote unquote perfect. This looks like sending your first email, even when you don't feel ready. This looks like putting your face on your Instagram stories, even when you don't love the way you look. This looks like writing that blog post, even when you feel like you could have done even more research. This looks like releasing that new offer or product collection, even when it's not 100% where you want it to be. Today, I took a little bit of time thinking about imperfectionism, and I've come up with nine principles to help you and me really embrace this concept and this approach to business and life. So let's jump right into them. Number one is you have permission to do things badly. Your work, ideas, thoughts, messages, words can be valuable without being perfect. You don't have to go all out all the time. It is still worth doing things even if you don't do them perfectly, even if you do them badly. And while a lot of the uh, this episode is going to be about the benefits of doing things badly and how actually doing things badly or imperfectly is how we eventually do things well, I also want to say something else up front. We don't have to be good at things to make them worth doing. You don't have to be good at painting to paint You don't have to be a great cook to make dinner. You don't have to always know exactly what to say to be there for a friend. But I love this quote from Ira Glass, the host of This American Life on NPR. He says, Nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone told me. All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste. But there is this gap. For the first couple years, you make stuff. It's just not that good. It's trying to be. It has potential. But your taste, your taste is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. Our work doesn't have this special thing that we wanted to have. We all go through this. And if you're just getting started or if you're still in this phase, you got to know it's normal. And the most important thing you can do is to do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you will finish one project. It is only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. It's going to take a while. You've just got to fight your way through. Okay, principle number two is to aim for 80%. Now, there's exactly no science behind this, but it works for me. And so that's what I'm going to share. Whenever I need a rule of thumb to decide whether I'm ready to share or publish something because I don't feel like it's perfect, I say aim for 80%. Is this 80% as good as my ideal of perfection would be? If so, it's time to put it out there. Principle number three, don't wait until you feel ready. I believe that if we wait until we feel ready to start taking action or to put things out into the world, then we have waited way, 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 way too long. That list of things I shared with you earlier, the list of things that were only possible when I dropped the perfectionism, things like learning watercolor, starting a business, starting a podcast, speaking at events. The only reason that any of these things exist is because I somehow found the courage to do them and put them out there before I felt ready to, to try new things and see how they go, to take feedback, to hit publish, even when I feel a little bit cringy. Let me tell you something. When I first started editing my podcast episodes, way back when I started this podcast, I could barely listen to the sound of my own voice. It was that bad. Now, when I listen to my podcast episodes, which just to be clear, I don't always listen to my own episodes, but when I do, most of the time I find myself thinking something like, hey, that was a good point. Being willing to put podcasts out into the world, even when I didn't feel ready to, has not only helped me to actually develop the skill of podcasting, but it has also improved my own ability to look at my own work and be proud instead of judgmental. And on a related note, Principle number four is that confidence comes from doing. I used to think that we had to wait until we feel confident in order to take action. Like when I felt confident at public speaking, then I would go pursue public speaking. That when I felt like a good painter, then I would start sharing my painting work. That when I felt like I was good at podcasting, then I would start my podcast. But the truth is the exact opposite. The way that you get confident at something is by doing it. Just like you become a confident baseball player by playing baseball over and over again, you become a confident gardener by putting a lot of your time into the garden. If there's anything in your business and marketing that you want to be good at, that you want to develop confidence at, you simply have to do it over and over again first. The confidence and the skill will follow. Principle number five is that perfect does not equal valuable. One of the hardest things to unlearn has been this idea that perfect and valuable are the same thing. Things can be very, very imperfect and still be very valuable at the same time. In fact, some of the best feedback that I receive on things in my business and my marketing come from those times when I'm showing up as my most honest, unpolished self. Not when I've scripted the perfect thing to say, but when I've just been who I genuinely am. A typo in a blog post, a stray brushstroke on a painting, the occasional sound of a dog barking in the background of a podcast episode. None of these things render your content or your business no longer valuable. When we hold ourselves to the expectation and the standard that what we create and put out into the world only has value if it's perfect, we're going to be very resistant to put things out there at all. Principle number six, iteration is magic. Iteration is all about allowing yourself to get better and better over time. In tech, there's a concept called the minimum viable product. And it's the idea that when you've gotten your product to a level that it does what you want it to do, even if it's pretty bare bones and lacks all the bells and whistles, that that is the time that you put it out there. You put it out there in its minimum viable state. Then you take feedback. You look at the reaction of those around you. You make little tweaks and changes over time. You iterate. You improve it little by little as time passes. Giving yourself permission to iterate is life-changing. Giving yourself permission to put things out into the world imperfectly. Knowing that you can and will change and improve it later is so empowering. Just about everything in your business can be updated and improved, but we do have to start somewhere. Allow yourself to put things out into the world in draft format, knowing that you can always improve it as you go. As an example of this, take my membership, Making Good Happen. It is a very, very different program than it first was in January 2022 when I started it. It was awesome to start with, but over time, I've taken the feedback, ideas, and suggestions from members, and I've crafted it into something that is even more useful and helpful and valuable to them. It's by no means finished evolving. Iteration doesn't end. I will continue to improve it and tweak it as I go so that it gets more and more valuable every month. Giving myself permission to let it be iterative was such a valuable and empowering permission for me, and I don't think I ever would have launched it if I felt like I had to start with the final product. I want to share here an excerpt from one of my favorite books. That is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Here's a story that he shared in the book. On the first day of class, Jerry Oelsman, a professor at the University of Florida, divided his film photography students into two groups. Everyone on the left side of the classroom, he explained, would be in the quantity group. They would be graded solely on the amount of work they produced. On the final day of class, he would tally the number of photos submitted by each student. 100 photos would be an A, 90 would be a B, 80 a C, and so on. Meanwhile, everyone on the right side of the room would be in the quality group. They would be graded only on the excellence of their work. They would need only to produce one photo during the semester, but to get an A, it had to be a nearly perfect image. At the end of the term, he was surprised to find that the best photos were produced by the quantity group. During the semester, these students were busy taking photos, experimenting with composition and lighting, testing out various methods in the darkroom, and learning from their mistakes. In the process of creating hundreds of photos, they honed their skills. Meanwhile, the quality group sat around speculating about perfection. In the end, they had little to show for their efforts other than unverified theories and one mediocre photo. I think that's such a great example of how magic iteration can be. Principle number seven is to practice in public. This principle is specifically for small business owners who tend to feel like they need to figure everything out behind the scenes and then at some point they can reveal when they have it all figured out. But there are so many reasons to allow yourself to practice in public, to show your audience and your community where you're currently at and let them observe the process of your growth. First of all, it's great marketing because it's inherently interesting to see someone doing the behind the scenes work in their business. And second, you can incorporate their thoughts and their feedback when you share. For example, if you're trying to get good at painting flowers for a new product collection, what if you were able to include your audience's ideas and preferences as you go instead of just doing it all in private and then hoping that they like the direction you went in? Don't get me wrong. It can be super scary to put things out there when you don't feel like they're all that good yet. But like we talked about earlier, giving yourself permission to do things badly is one of the most empowering and transformative mindset shifts you can make. Principle number eight is that perfectionism is a fear you can face. When I first started to experiment with imperfectionism, although I didn't call it that at the time, I felt this constant discomfort and fear. I knew that I would benefit from being less perfectionist, but I just felt so uncomfortable with the idea of putting myself and my work out there before I felt like it was perfect. One of the biggest mental shifts I had to make was realizing that I didn't have to wait for this fear to go away, that I could let the fear be there and still decide to move forward with whatever thing that I was trying to do. We're allowed to feel fear, we're allowed to feel discomfort, and we can still decide to take action anyway. Finally, principle number nine is that you are the secret sauce. When I really reflect on the root of my own perfectionism, I realized that the reason I always wanted to do everything so perfectly is because I felt like the only value I had to offer anyone was in the quality and polish level of whatever I created. And looking back, I realized that that is so, so, so not the case. Now I get it that what makes my work special is the fact that I've learned how to put myself into it, whether that's a painting or a podcast episode. I don't even try to reach a level of perfectionism and polish. I try to do the best I can and to do work that I care about. And over the years, I've seen that when I take this approach to work, that's where I create the best stuff. That's when people really connect with what I'm putting out there. When I allow my work to be full of my personality, my beliefs, my values, my idiosyncrasies, and even my flaws, that is the special sauce that makes it right for the right people. And hopefully this goes without saying, but it's not just me. This is true for you too. When you allow yourself to be genuinely yourself in your business and in your life, that's where all of the best things come from. The best products, the best marketing, the best relationships. All of this is based on allowing yourself to truly lean into you. So there you have our nine principles of imperfectionism. Number one, you have permission to do it badly. Number two, aim for 80%. Number three, don't wait until you feel ready. Number four, confidence comes from doing. Number five, perfect is not the same as valuable. Number six, iteration is magic. Number seven, practice and public. Number eight, perfectionism is a fear you can face. And nine, you are the secret sauce. Before I wrap up this episode, I want to share a Mary Oliver poem with you. It's the one that I always think about when I think about leaning into imperfectionism. So here's the poem. It's called Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over again announcing your place in the family of things. This poem, to me, is about allowing ourselves to be just ourselves, to love what we love, to not be perfect, to have our flaws, and understand that even so, we still have a lot to offer. I hope from this poem and from this episode overall, you give yourself some permission to take a deep breath and release some of the weight from your shoulders. You don't have to do it perfectly. You don't even have to do it particularly well, especially to start out with. Progress comes from showing up, doing the best you can in the moment, leaning into who you are and what you're all about, and leaving the rest behind. So have I convinced you about the merits of imperfectionism? I would love to hear from you. Take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening to the episode and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilden. Now it is time for the small biz spotlight. And this week we're getting to know Tracy Yang of Jarn Cove Flowers. I loved her grounded perspective on her changing professional goals and hearing her truly insightful advice for new small business owners. I hope that you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Tracy, welcome to making Good. Hey <laughs> I'm for so, me. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to have you. Um, I cannot wait for you to introduce yourself to my audience. I would love for you to share a little bit about your business now, and I know this is actually not your first business, so tell us a little bit about your story in small business and what you do in in your business now.
1: Um, yeah, this is uh, what I do now is I'm a flower farmer. Uh, my farm is Coe Flowers, based out of Monroe, Washington. It's a four-acre flower farm, all operated by myself and my family. Um, yeah, prior to the farm, I did own uh, other businesses. Um I've been a personal trainer, a massage therapist. Um I was a hip-hop dancer, so I had my own dance company <laughs> for uh, a while. And then at one point, I also had like a hot dog cart. So (laughs) that was my,
0: yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, random. (laughs) I only know about the personal training. This is amazing.
1: Yeah, that was my like random business idea, and it did well. But I think I I just figured food wasn't for me. So yeah, Yeah. I was like, all right, I'm not doing food industry.
0: So tell us about what you grow. What flowers you grow and like what are your offers like you sell I know you sell at markets, you sell these amazing bouquets, but you also sell directly to florists I think. So tell us about all your different ways that you sell your products.
1: Yeah, um my main crops. I kind of grow a little bit of everything, but my two main crops I would say are tulips and dahlias. And then um we're working on Getting peonies established, but that of course takes a few years. We sell, like you said, at markets, so direct to consumer. Uh, We also have a CSA that we're working really hard on trying to grow. Um, And then we uh, sell direct to florists, so wholesale, and that's through the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market. And starting this year, um, I started the Snowco Flower Collective, uh, or Snowco Floco for short. And that is a Snohomish County, King County, Island County, Skagit County grower collective, trying to get growers from all those areas coming to, you know, just, just so the, the North End side of things in the, in Western Washington, just so there's a hub for local flowers in that region as well. Amazing.
0: <laughs> what made you start? So you've had these different businesses, like very different businesses, and now you're mm-hmm. very set in the flower industry and flower farming, and you sell a variety of different flower products. What made you kind of transition from what you were doing before to transition to what you do now?
1: Um, it was honestly an an accident, like the whole thing. <laughs> um, I I never intended... On being a farmer, but um the reality is just um i'm I'm Hmong American. I'm first generation Hmong American. So just in my heritage, you know, the Hmong we've been farming for centuries. so um like my my parents, they were farmers as well. Uh, how my family got into flowers was my sister. she married and moved out to uh, Seattle, and she married into um a family of flower farmers so then you know it just kind of it was like okay well we'll switch from veggies to flowers <laughs> <laughs> um and so yeah i but even even though my family was involved i never intended on getting involved but of course with the covid 19 pandemic um that was a huge setback for me in my my other careers And I was left with, you know, nothing to do. And then the family was like, okay, well, because you're not doing anything, you have to help us. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, I was like, okay, sure. Because it was true. Like I I wasn't doing anything else. So I helped. And then um, Nick, my uh, boyfriend and also business partner, he came to help one Mother's Day and he was like, this is amazing. This is so fun. And while, you know, he thought it was fun, but the rest of us, we were like stressed out. (laughs) We were like, what are you talking about? This is not (laughs) fun. This is anything but fun. But he had so much fun. And then he was like, you know, we should really do this. We should do this too. Like we should, we should join the trade. And I was like, I don't know. And Mm. after after like, uh, it took a few months to convince me, but I was like, all right, how about this? I will give it a season. And if I, if I like it, we'll continue. We'll jump on board and we'll do, we'll do the farming thing. But if we don't like it, then that's that we're, we're moving on. And he was Mm -hmm. like, all right, deal. Well, of course I ended up liking it, which is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is why we're here now. but yeah, Several years later. <laughs> yeah. But the reason why I like it is um, ultimately it brought me closer to my roots, like who I am. And uh, especially like I, identifying as like a, you know, like being a Hmong American. I was like, wow, like there's a lot I did not know. And uh, mm. just you know living the farmer lifestyle i started to understand a lot of the cultural things and cultural expectations and just customs that i always heard my parents telling me and teaching me as i was growing up and always having to juggle the duality of two cultures in my household so mm. i was I, you know i through farming i had a greater appreciation of all that so mm. yeah so that's ultimately what uh drew me in and now I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> You're stuck.
0: <laughs> yep, I am. <laughs> what is your favorite thing to do in your business? Is it the is it the being outside and the, on the farm with the crops? Is it selling at, at markets? Is it putting together bouquets? Like what is that?
1: Um my favorite is being out at the farm and tending to my plants either planting them weeding them you know giving giving the plants what they need I would say that is my number one favorite thing especially during the evening hours when the sun is setting oh Mm -hmm. man it's absolutely breathtaking I'm always like every time I'll just Watch the horizon, and I'll just be like, "Oh, I am undeserving of this beauty. Like this oh is, oh my gosh, this is unreal." Yeah, so that's that is my number one favorite thing. But aside mm-hmm. from that, um, I do like being at markets. I do like seeing, you know, the, just the joy that flowers bring uh, people. I, yeah. I really like seeing that at markets, and then also getting to connect with other small business owners, that's also um you know really, really fun thing for me as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would mm-hmm. say those are my two favorite things. <laughs> wow.
0: What is your best selling product or service of of you know you do wholesale, you do the CSA, you sell at markets. What would be like the the best seller of all of those or anything else you offer?
1: Um we right now it's still markets. Yeah, I think I, and I always underestimate that. I'm always like, yeah, I don't like. I need. I think I need to have a little bit more confidence in this. But I'm always like, ah, oh, no one's gonna buy today. As we're like, <laughs> <laughs> as we're setting up the, the the booth and all that, I'm like, oh, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna buy. But you know, usually, you know, eighty percent of the time. I would say we sell out when we go to market. So
0: I was going to say, I've been to a market where I feel like you've been sold out. And I've been like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, so. People buy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to ask you this question because you have done a few different small businesses. Um, given your experience so far in this business and, and everything you've done before, what is one piece of advice that you would share with other small business owners?
1: I would say there's several things, (laughs) but (laughs) if I had to choose, yeah, (laughs) I would say my number one thing is don't be afraid to put yourself out there. I think um, imposter syndrome can kind of be a thing when you're first starting out, you know, but um, just don't be afraid. It's always like you never know. What the response is, unless you put yourself out there. And it's really okay to not do okay, like the first few tries. That's honestly, that's, that's kind of normal. Um, so just go out there, give it a shot, connect with other small business owners, especially if, if you're here in Western Washington, the small business community here is amazing. Like, Everybody that I've met, I'm like, man, you're cool. You're cool. And you're cool. Like, wow, yeah. this is great. So yeah, I feel like if you connect with other small business owners too, like they also help you push your business. So absolutely. Yeah. You just build your, your referral network as well. And yeah. And then I would say the third thing I would, I recommend is the habit of, like you always feel like, oh, I need more. Or like you want to do more or you want more. Usually, this is what I've done in the past was I would be like, okay, I, I would look at everything as an investment and then I would spend money. <laughs> that's that's great and all. And yes, it, it is an investment, but I want to tell people like invest within your means. You know, um, yes, there's, you want to grow your business, but at the same time, you also need to consider paying yourself, so don't don't spend everything that you have. So pretty much, don't spend the money as soon as it's coming in. So just yeah. hold your yeah, hold your horses a, a bit. Learn how to learn how to budget your finances as a small business owner, and that will take you pretty far. So
0: you said so many things that I love, but just yeah. Like clinging to that last thing I think is so important. You can do so much scrappy, you know, like we feel like yeah. we need the fancy yeah. gear and the fancy subscriptions and equipment, but you know, you can go very far with not that much. So yeah. Yeah. Never let that be the thing that stops you, you know, feeling like I don't have the thing, so I can't do it. But like
1: Yeah. Yeah, all of all of my businesses I've done straight cash. I've never taken out loans. I've never done any of that. So be willing to be willing to start small and go from there. The phrase slow and steady wins the race, in my opinion, it's it's true. It's true. So don't yeah. don't rush. Don't put a lot of pressure on yourself. You will grow and you will be successful as long as you're willing to put yourself out there.
0: So <laughs> mm, then I totally agree. Yeah. Um, What would be one thing that is working in your marketing right now?
1: I would say just being transparent with people, showing what's going on at the farm, you know, telling just more about myself, who I am, Um, like outside of farming or even just my personal reflections on what's going on at the farm. I think the authenticity and just being myself and just showing people what I'm growing and how I'm growing and why I'm growing. I think that in and of itself is working for me.
0: Yeah, I can totally see that in your marketing. Like just kind of letting (laughs) people behind the scenes, behind the curtain a little bit. Um, Yeah, very compelling. What would be a mistake that you've made in your business journey so far that you have learned from?
1: Trying to do things that don't resonate with me. So things that, like, I feel like sometimes I have a tendency to go outside of who I am and try to do something just because other people are doing it, you know? Like, oh, that's trendy. Let me try it. Yeah, and then it'll usually it'll usually backfire really quickly, and I'll be like, <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, see, I should have listened to my gut. Like I should have listened to that feeling where it was like, like a cringy that cringe where it's like, mm, I don't know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I did listen and I did it anyway, and then yep, it usually for me it usually backfires pretty quickly. And I'll be like, yeah, see, that was a bad idea.
0: <laughs> so how do you know what? what kinds of things like i guess i love that advice but i'm wondering where is the line between like this is out of my comfort zone in a good way mm-hmm. and this is not like aligned with how i do things
1: i guess for me i tend to look at it as i'm i'm kind of i'm one of those people where i see the big picture before i zero in right so I usually tend to think like if I do this will it bring me closer to where I am wanting to be or will it set me back and not, not saying that setbacks are you know necessarily a bad thing but you know that's generally how I look at it so but it's also like I just This is hard for me to explain. Like, I just kind of know. I'm just like, (laughs) like, okay, I'll, I'll give you a specific example. Okay. There was, I, I was, I read an article about how this one farmer, a flower farmer, you know, she's, she became so good at pop-ups and she pretty much has centered her business around floral pop-ups and her number one selling item was like, A floral cone and it's like a little cone that she takes like craft paper and she'll just make a bouquet and then put it inside the cone and every time she would go to the floral pop-ups she'd sell out in an hour right just from doing those cones i was like oh well that's really cool well let me try that but this is the thing i'm not a crafty person like (laughs) I, I do not enjoy like making crafts like that. Hmm. But, and I already knew this about myself and I was like, I don't know, Tracy, <laughs> Like, like mm, you might be, you, you might be biting off more than you can chew. Sure enough. I did like, I hated making those cones. They were so time consuming. I was like, this is, this is, this takes me longer than it does to just make a single bouquet, like I can whip together a bouquet in five to seven minutes, but one cone was taking me like fifteen minutes, so <laughs> I was like, uh... and then on top of that, when I finished making the cones i I was like, these are ugly, so <laughs> I didn't even like it at the end, yeah, so <laughs> um that's yeah, that's like a perfect example of yeah. me like, oh like just because someone else did it you know does it mean that it's going to it's going to work for you so so know your strengths and play to your strengths and if you don't know what your strengths are ask your friends ask your family they'll tell you especially if you have if you have people in your corner that are brutally honest with you <laughs> for me that's my mom she's like <laughs> she she's brutally honest with me So I'll usually ask her, and she'll (laughs) she'll just tell me, and I'm like, okay. But it's those people, like you know, sometimes it it hurts to hear the truth, but it's it's those people that are willing to tell you that brutal honesty. Mm -hmm. uh, Those are the ones that really want you to succeed. So listen to those. I
0: love that. I found that also to be so (laughs) empowering to be able to be like okay, these are the things I'm really not good at and I'm just releasing those. <laughs> like, I'm going to lean yes. into what I'm very good at.
1: <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. Yeah, because e- even then, along the way, your weaknesses, right, they they get strengthened too. You grow from that as well. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I'm going to lean into w- what I'm really good at. But then at the same time, what ends up happening is, you know, there, there hits a point to where oh, you're going to run into that weak point, And then you're forced to address it or you meet somebody that is good at what you're not good at doing and then you end up working together. So, yeah. And that's you moved in my path is I'll be like, oh, I'm really good at this. And then I'll be like, oh, but I'm not good at this. And then I end up meeting somebody who's really good at that. <laughs> and then we become great friends. <laughs> and yeah. So it becomes like a wonderful, uh, fruitful partnership.
0: Yeah. Love. Such good advice. Um, you, I think we have touched on this a little bit, but how do you approach doing good through your small business?
1: You know, whenever I do anything in my business, I'm very intentional about it. Um, I'm never just blindly doing something, you know, I'm always very intentional about it. Um, even. When I'm doing things on the field, I never like to be angry, uh, be sad, or like have any sort of like negative energy as I'm planting. Because I have a certain belief to where, especially through something living like, uh, like flowers, I've learned that there's like an energy transfer that kind of happens, whether you notice it or not. So I always try to be very intentional with my plants and give them a lot of pretty much, you know, lots of tender love and care. And then I also believe that plays into the joy that people receive when they see my flowers. So that Mm -hmm. is one way I believe I'm doing good. But the other way I think I'm also doing good is that I really value community. And maybe that's part of my upbringing. Like I always grew up around um, my family. And my father was always just like, like you need to be aware of your surroundings and what's happening in your community. So I think I've always just carried that with me um, throughout my life. So I community means a big deal to me. So what I try to do is I try to be an active person in my community. So if someone has you know, if they're having an event or if they're seeking donations or something like that, I will do what I can in order to contribute. Um, because I like seeing other people succeed. I like seeing other people happy. So, you know, I'm always trying to be a part of the community and contribute. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that. And I can totally <laughs> see that with the uh, Snowco Floco. I just yeah. had an abbreviation <laughs> like that, but I love yeah. that. Um, just like, you know, taking the time and like immense amount of energy it takes to put together an organization and like um some structure behind community. I know is an enormous undertaking. So I think that's that's a real way of doing good. Okay, what would be a favorite? Small business book, podcast, or other resource?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, there's a lot. Well, I do like making good. Um, Yep. That's one of my favorites for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I would say uh, Heart and Hustle. Mm. The Heart and Hustle podcast is also a good one. Awesome. And let's see. (laughs) Let me pop up my Kindle list real quick. I'm like, what have I read? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> a lot i'm an avid reader that's that's something about me too is i love to read um oh this one building a story brand by donald miller i really liked that one awesome
0: we will link that to all of this in the one. show notes um yeah. okay i want to ask you a couple of questions about making it happen because you're a member of that but before i do could you let folks know who want to learn more about your business and your the work that you do, find you online, check out the flower subscriptions, all that good stuff, or the flowers CSA. Um, where can everyone find you online?
1: Uh you can find me online on Instagram at John Co. Flowers. And uh, that's J-A-R-N, Jarnco Flowers. Or you can go to my website, www.jarncompany.com. Um, those are the most active platforms that I have. So it's my Instagram and my website. I keep it simple.
0: Perfect. (laughs) That will be linked up in the show notes too. In case you missed that, definitely go check Tracy's business out and her amazing flowers. Okay. Why did you decide to join Making Good Happen?
1: I decided to join Making Good Happen because, um, like I said earlier, I... I'm very passionate about small businesses. You know, I think obviously I'm a small business owner myself, but also just the amount of work and creativity and dedication that it takes to be a business owner. And then on top of that, just from, you know, (laughs) the nerdy side of me now, from an economics standpoint, like what a bi- small business contributes to a community overall. There's so many things. There's so many benefits to it. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I found out like, what? There is a group that is centered around <laughs> like, be- like small business ownership and, you know, how to better communicate and connect with your audience and what? Why, how did I not know about this? <laughs> so for me, it was like a no-brainer. Like, oh, I'm joining this. Yeah. Um, but I would say, like, for those listening that are, you know, contemplating, like, oh, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, I would say join. Like, <laughs> it would be, you know. So remember what I said earlier about how, like, oh. You know, it's an investment. This really was an investment. And it really is an investment. And um, I've gotten a lot out of it. Um, I have a marketing background myself. But even despite my background, I'm learning things from the group as well. And then just also getting to connect with other small business owners. Um, it's like a family. And i back in March when I... <laughs> You know, I was at uh, a market and you all you guys like came rushing to my booth and was like, "Hi, Darcy. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, oh man, it was like, it was my favorite part of the day. So, no. you know, that just that sense of community to me, it means so much and it, it's really priceless. So, it is. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'm so glad you decided
0: to join. I'm so glad yeah. to have you representing flower growers. We have we have a yeah. florist now also, but you're the only flower grower. I'm just honored to have you in there. Okay, last question would be like, what kind of business owner would you recommend making good happen to? Obviously, we have a huge range of industries represented, but is there anything like, you know, this would be a good fit for X type of person?
1: Mm-hmm. This would be a good fit for the type of person that is not comfortable talking about themselves. Like, I feel like, like when I first started in business, I was really uncomfortable with that. I was like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to tell people what I do. I don't want to tell people what I'm about. Like, <laughs> why don't, why can't they just come to me and figure it out? <laughs> Go to the website. <laughs> yeah. But then of course, you know, more often than not, it doesn't work out that way. Yeah. So, um, I think this is great for someone who is thinking about starting a business, or is starting a business, or e- even maybe even has an established business, but um, has hit a point in their business to where they're having trouble in drawing in new business. Making good happen is perfect for any anybody that is in those categories because this will, um, you know, help you with putting together your, your brand message, um, it'll help you get on track and stay stay on a schedule because what I've learned that works for me in, in all this marketing is pretty much just being consistent. Mm-hmm. Like if you're, you know, if you're, if you're inconsistent, then, you know, everyone's like, I don't get it. What are you trying to say? What are you trying to tell me? <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you're if you're consistent and you stay you know uh fresh in everyone's mind, then sooner or later they will be a customer,
0: <laughs> yes, inevitably, yes, I love that. I'm so glad we're we're kind of wrapping up on the note of consistency because I think you're right. It's like that's the make or break. You can show up five days in a row, but unless you keep. You can show up for 30 days in a row, but if you take the next 30 days off, it's like you would have been much better off just being there once or twice a week and kind of pacing yourself. Yep. And yep. For, the yeah. long time.
1: So. for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Tracy, this has been so much fun. I've learned a bunch of new things about you. Actually, I did not know you had a hot dog (laughs) cart. So I had a hot dog cart. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you for everything you shared. I can't wait for the listeners to hear this. And um, yeah, listeners, make sure to go check out uh, Tracy's business and the flower subscription, CSA and the markets, all the good stuff. We'll have it all linked in the show notes. So thank you for being here, Tracy. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Okay. Wow. How nice does it sound to stand in the middle of a flower farm at sunset? I hope you all enjoyed learning about Tracy's journey in the field as much as I did. Go check out Tracy and her business at the links in the show notes as well at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 183. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful to have your support. Here are a couple of ways that you can give back to making good. First, I'd be honored if you'd leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to subscribe and follow. And second, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy the podcast or this episode in particular, send them the link. Today's episode can be found at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 183. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.